The Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Anatomy of the Church. We've been studying and considering what the Lord uh, expects of His church and desires of His church and what it, what it actually is that He created in the first place. And so with this series, we've looked at some observations of the church and what it is, what it isn't, all those things. Uh, in this series, uh, we've also uh, looked at the offices of the church and taken some time and uh, considered the role of the pastor and the deacons therein. Uh, before that, we looked at the origin of the church and how it began and how Jesus himself created it and started it. Uh, then we took some time and looked at the ordinances of the church, and that particularly of baptism and the Lord's Supper, the two commands that the Lord left with His church to be able to accomplish while they were while we're still here on this earth and in accomplishing His work and His will. Uh, of course, then uh, we considered um, the order of the church and how what is our role to play in it and how, church membership and why is that important. And uh, then, of course, a couple weeks ago, we started into the segment of the operation of the church. How does the church operate? And uh, what does it look like for the church to function? And we started uh, with the church's operation of service. And I'm thankful that even though I am am, uh, not uh, much and uh, I don't have a whole lot to offer uh, that the Lord has because I have His Spirit, He's equipped me with, with particular gifts. And even though they might not be the best gifts, and even though they might not be the best, the most honed gifts and the most talented gifts, that he's left a place that I can use those gifts for him. That place is called the church. And so he's given the church so that there's a place where we can take the gifts that his spirit has given us and use them for his honor and for his glory and to be able to, uh, to help others to be drawn unto him as well. And then, of course, not only have we looked at the, the service, uh, uh, the operation of service in the church, but we've also looked at the operation of the church and its soul winning and uh, how we reach others and our witness. That was last week and how we ought to take it seriously, the, the opportunity we have to be able to tell others about the love of Jesus Christ. And this morning here, as we jump into... Uh, chapter 2, in verses 44 through 47 of uh, the book of Acts, I believe we're going to find a part of the operations of the church that is not just, it, it, is, it is part of its function. It is part of how it operates and what, how it accomplishes anything. But while we operate and function, I also believe that the, its operation is a great blessing, a real gift to us as believers, and an outpouring of God's grace into our lives. And so I want to read with these verses, and then we'll pray and jump right into things and examine this gift and this outpouring of grace as the church operates in the believer's life. And so uh, chapter 2 of b- the book of Acts, in verse number 44, it says, and all that believed were together. Now, let's pause right there and make sure we're all on the same page. In verse number 44, it says, all that believed uh, what believers are, ta- are is it being talking about here? Well, Acts chapter 2 holds the day of Pentecost, right? And on the day of Pentecost, Peter's preached. And back in verse number 41, it tells us, And they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And so uh, there's a, this, this new church that's just 
jumped off the ground in, in the book of Acts and in, in, in the church of Jerusalem here. It's a just beginning off, and there's 3,000 people there. And it says here in verse number 44, and all that believed, those that believed at Pentecost and those that were part of the church, they were together, and it had, they had all things in common. It says in verse number 45, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them uh, to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Our Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for your love and we thank you for your goodness and we thank you for the fact that you're, you allow us to have a place where we can gather together, a place where we can be with like-minded believers, a place that uh, people truly and genuinely care for you and uh, care about you. And Lord, I ask now that you would uh, just bless our time in your word, that you would guide us as we consider uh, this, this first church, this early church, and uh, its example that you've left in your word for us to be able to follow in the model. And Lord, I ask now that you'd speak through me as I deliver the message, that you'd, your spirit would guide us in this truth, and that it, uh, the spirit would do, all, do exactly what only he could do. And Lord, we ask that your will be accomplished, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. These verses that we've read here before us, they, they actually offer some insight into the makings of the, of the early church. And uh, it's, it's, it, this, this, this chapter, it's a very exciting time for the early church. It's a time where they're being equipped and they're being, I mean, the Lord's doing amazing and awesome things through the church. And the early believers, as we read through the book of Acts and as we read through some of the epistles, I am fully convinced that the early believers, the early church, had only one thing on their mind, and that was to serve the Lord in such a way that it would honor Him and glorify Him, and that they would then, because of that, be able to reach others who have yet to trust Him as their Savior. That was their goal. That was their purpose. That was their heart's desire as they met together and as they were equipped and as they used the gifts that the Lord had equipped them with to serve Him for His honor and for His glory. I'm going to say this this morning also, that there's no doubt in my mind that the Lord has blessed Mountain Vista Baptist Church. I believe it is a blessed church, and I believe that the Lord has poured out a ton of blessings upon this church uh, in every facet, in every uh, scenario, in every uh, different uh, circumstance that you can think of. The Lord has poured out His blessings. However, I do sometimes take a step back and wonder if at times we aren't receiving everything the Lord has laid in store for us. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, we, we, maybe we're not reaching the potential that He has for us. That there's some blessings that he has, and think of it with me like this, like if he's got blessings ready and he's ready to freely give them, and some of his gifts and blessings are unconditional, right? No matter what we do, he gives it, like his love. His love is unconditional. Regardless of what we do or don't do, he loves us, and thank God for that, because I am very undeserving of his love, but his love isn't based off of whether or not I deserve it. It's based off of the fact that He loves us. It's unconditional. But I believe there's promises, and as we read through the Word of God, I believe there are promises and blessings that hold some conditions. If, you, if we follow what He's laid in store, if you may, if we follow His roadmap, 
we're going to arrive at that destination to where we receive the blessing He has laying, wait, laying in wait for us there. So as we follow the Lord, and as we follow the Lord, and, and considering uh, the, the, uh, the offices of the church already, and, and trying to make sure that we are uh, holding the offices that the Lord has left for the church accountable like He would, and not expecting anything less or anything more than He would from us. I believe that that unlocks some blessings in our church as well. I believe as we consider uh, our opportunity and how the church is ordered and, and uh, take our part as members of the church seriously, that opens up some doors. And I think as we continue on through this process and see the operation of the church unfolding and how we can serve and how we ought to be a part of the body, that functions in the way that God made us. And obviously, blessings are going to come from that. If you, if, if, if you had broken your arm and it was in a cast... And you followed the process in which the doctor said to go through until it was ready and healed. That, that one, once that process is done, what's going to happen? The cast is going to come off and you're going to have use of that arm again, right? Talk about a blessing. If you don't follow the doctor's orders though, you could do more injury to it. It could prolong the process and it's going to be longer before you're able to use it. Not a blessing, right? And so as a, as a member as a, of the church, we've got, uh, we're part of the body, the Bible said, as we already discussed. I'm not re-preaching the message, but just helping us follow along, get on the same train of thought here. And as uh, we do that, and as we play our part in the body, guess what? That's going to be a blessing. There's, we're going to receive blessings because of that. And I believe that the Lord has blessings laying up in store for us, that when we follow what He's laid out in His Word to accomplish and do, that, that's just the obvious response to what we've done for him. He's going to pour out blessings. And I wonder sometimes if maybe we, have, we are, are not receiving everything that the Lord has laid up for us. See, as the Lord designed the church, he intended for it to be a community of believers benefiting from one another while contributing to the good of the entire body. That was his desire. That's what his plan is. And so as we continue in this series, The Anatomy of the Church, I want to take the time this morning and to examine the, church's op the operation of the church's shared life together. So we've seen our service, our soul winning, and now we're going to consider our shared life together. I'll say this on, from the onset. Christianity, our life as believers, has not been created to be an island in and of ourselves. Our, our life as believers and Christians, as part of the family of God, we were not created to be the lone, lone ranger. There are no lone rangers in Christianity. We are to share this life together. I believe we see a perfect example of that in this first century church. And as we cons consider this this morning, notice with me, number one, notice the fellowship of the church. In verse number 44, we read it earlier, but it says, and all that believed says it were, they were together, and all that believed were together. We find that the early church came together, and as I go forward this morning, uh, we, normally there's about three points or so in the message. There's five today, and so don't get too, don't get too upset, men. I'm a, I'm a father also. There's a lunch waiting for me afterwards. My stomach's already growling, okay? I'm not going to take too long. The first three points really are just kind of like preliminary thoughts Point number four is, the, is kind of a, a major thought. Point five, concluding everything and wrapping it all together. And so number one this morning, as we consider the fellowship of the church, we, we find that the early church came together. And let me say this this morning also. 
that while I truly and fully believe that meeting in smaller groups is necessary and beneficial for the body of Christ to grow, like in our Bible study and Sunday school class classes, we read that the, the, the church, this first church did that also, down in verse number 46, that they went from house to house. So let's be honest, I don't believe anybody in that day in the first century had a house large enough to meet with 3,000 people in it right? Because that's the group that is meeting here, right? So they were meeting corporately in large groups and in smaller groups. I understand that. But here in verse number 44, I believe it's talking about the entirety of the church as a whole, that they were meeting together and they were sharing experiences and life together. And what I'm saying by this is that is this, that uh, there was a great sense of fellowship among the believers, it wasn't that they, came, they were in fellowship just because they were under the same roof. Are you hearing me this morning? We are all underneath the same roof, but that doesn't mean we're sharing fellowship. You know, we, just because we have met together here and we're under the same roof doesn't mean that we are sharing fellowship together. Sharing fellowship involves getting involved in each other's lives. It's speaking with one another. And let me just go, uh, uh, just really briefly, as, as before we move out of this thought, let me say this, that as you come into the church, let me just encourage you. So when you walk through the doors, that you don't make a beeline just to your seat or a beeline just to drop your kids off or a beeline just to the bathroom and then hang out there for 15 minutes. <laughs> I know your tricks, all right? I, I encourage you not to make a beeline to wherever you're going to be and then just sit there and, and not, not purposefully have this attitude, but sit there as, of, as almost to say, bless me if you can. All right, that, that's, that, don't, let's not have that attitude. But instead, let us come in and let us find someone to greet. Let us find someone to share life with. Let us find someone to talk to. And you say, Pastor, you didn't say hi to me this morning. Yeah, I might not have, but I probably said hi to 20 people as well. There's a lot of people. I try to do that. And I know that we're not all going to say hi to everyone. But we, got, we cannot come to church thinking that we're doing church the way God intended it for it to be because we came in and we sat down, we listened to, we, we, we listened to some songs. Hello! We listened to some songs. We didn't participate. We listened to some songs. And then we sat there and listened to a message. And as soon as the, preacher, the person that prayed and said amen, we jet out the door and don't say a word to anybody. Or better yet, we wait until five minutes after the service has started slip in, can't find a seat in the back because that's where a good Baptist sit, right? <laughs> and find a place somewhere to sit down and we don't mingle with anybody. And we, we think we've gone to church and we haven't because that's not what God created church to be. Church is not a consumer event. Church is not like going to the movies. Church is not going and watching some play. Church is sharing life together. And on top of that, that goes even further from outside of the times where the church has actually scheduled to gather. We, my family ought to do it more, but on a regular occasions, whether it be after this service or after an evening service, we invite families to go to, to, to lunch or dinner with us or over to our house. And, and I'm not saying that we're a perfect example of that. I've already said we should do it better. But you know what? You could invite someone out for lunch. You say, Pastor, I just, I'm not a good cook. My house isn't ready to have people have company over. Well, perfect. There are businesses called restaurants in Sierra Vista that they want you to come and sit down. 
They've prepared for you, and they've got good cooks there for you as well so that you can enjoy a meal together. What I'm saying is church is not just going to a building and sitting down and listening to a message. It is living life together. That's what God designed it to be as we read there that they were all together, and it says, and had all things common. That's our point number two. Not only do we see the, the fellowship of the church, but number two, we see the focus of the church. And all that believed were together and had all things common. They were a group of believers that not only, not only enjoyed close fellowship, but they also shared a common focus. They, the Bible tells us in just a bit that they shared of their possessions, but more importantly, they didn't just share possessions. They shared of a desire for the things of God. When they came together for worship, there was a common desire to serve the Lord in a way that would be pleasing to Him. They were willing to sacrifice of themselves for the good of the church. And I know that uh, this isn't privy to everyone, but uh, we, we have a, a, a group of individuals that we consider our church staff. And with that, we have what we call our, our staff core values, all right? This is like if, if a person can't agree with these things, then they couldn't work on our team, all right? Because this is just really what drives us. This is what guides us. These core values guides us as a team. The first one is that we do everything that we do based off of the Word of God and for His glory, right? That, that's, that's number one. But the last one on the list is that we sacrifice for the greater good. Because if we're not willing to set aside our own every once in a while, then we'll never accomplish what is right for the whole. Paul said it like this in Philippians. He said, preferring one another over, uh, over yourselves. And that's a theme throughout the whole entire, uh, entirety of Scripture. Jesus Christ himself left the splendors of heaven, robed himself in flesh, took upon himself a form of a servant, and died for you and I. Now, I, I promise you, my friends, that he sacrificed for the greater good. I'm not up here to this morning saying that every person here is on our staff, but I think it would be a good principle for us to live by, that we are willing at times to sacrifice for the greater good of Christ. And what I mean by that is that because of this church, this, they were all together, and it says they had, in verse number 44, all things common. If, they were, if we are to become what we ought to be as a church, we must also share a common focus like this church did. We must agree on why we are here in the first place. We are not here so that I might be able to receive. I am here so that I can serve the Lord. Now, in doing so, He equips us. You know what that means? We receive something. And, but we receive it in turn to turn around and use it or give it back to Him for His honor and for His glory. This church, and any church that is a biblical church for that matter, is not about the people that sit in the pews. It is about the one in whom they've come to worship. 
And we've got to get that in our hearts. We've got to get that nailed down if we're ever going to be the church that the Lord desires for us to be. Jesus is the reason why we have come here today. And we must make him the focus and the desire of our hearts. If we've come because we just wanted to see a friend, if we have come just because we wanted to uh, fill a, 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 a block on our calendar as just this is what we do on Sunday mornings, if we've come for any reason other than Jesus, we've come for the wrong reason. We've got to have our focus correct. And many churches never prosper because they can never agree on why they are there and what they need to accomplish. There's always this, 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 this uh, uh, my opinion over this, and this is what I want, and this is what... And we have to understand that it is not about us. It's about Jesus. My kids love to play with Play-Doh. In fact, anything that makes a mess, they love it. <laughs> Play-Doh, slime, kinetic sand. I don't know how many little kernels or pieces of kinetic sand that I've swept up in my lifetime. I could probably make my own beach <laughs> with that much sand, honestly. But they, they, they like to play with those things. If you've ever played with Play-Doh or clay or anything like that, you pop it out of the tube, it's kind of just like a blob. But you use it, it's called, sometimes they call it modeling clay, right? And they, they, you mold it into a shape or a form. I'll tell you this, I am the expert snake, uh, I am the expert Play-Doh snake maker. Because all you got to do with that is roll it out into a little thing, and it's a snake. Boom, got it. I'm perfect at that. Ask me to make an elephant? No, I can't do that, but I got a snake down the pad. All right, I got that taken care of. But when you take that Play-Doh, and you start forming it, and you start molding it, what are you doing to it? You're changing it. It's changing its shape, changing its form. Can I remind you that the book of Romans tells us that God has predestined. That means he's already predetermined for the believer, for the Christian. That his goal, his will, is that we would be conformed or changed into the image of Christ. Oh, how we hate change, though, don't we? We don't like it when God comes along and says, hey, let's, uh, let's change this. Let's work on this. I want to mold you in this way. We, we, we are so quick to, to kick against it. We're so quick, quick to push against it. And Jesus says, no, I, I want to change you to be more like me. But I like me the way I am. But Jesus says, no, let me make you like me. Think about, the, think about this church literally right here. They are the first ones that are taking that step out of hardcore Judaism into what we would know today as Christianity. Consider when they went to the temple, what their traditions must have looked like. Goats, throats slit, and blood poured over altars, and doves and animals brought in as, as sacrifices and things like that. that, was that. Could you imagine coming to church and bringing your goat with you so to, to bring him an offering? Or a dove or something? This group, that is how they grew up. This church, 3,000 people, that's how they grew up. But Jesus was a sacrifice slain before the foundation of the world for all sins. Never to have to have another sacrifice again. The first time they showed up in church, it was like, okay, hey, uh, did you bring your dove? Oh, well, oh, yeah, we don't need that anymore. <laughs> it had to be a strange thing and the process going through. But Jesus was doing a work in their life. He was changing them. He was molding them. And when we come into church thinking that we've got it all figured out and that Jesus doesn't have to change me, he doesn't have to mold me, oh my goodness, what audacity that is. 
And because we come in with that attitude sometimes, we don't have the same focus like we ought to. The focus instead is what I want instead of what Jesus wants. And this first church, they had the right fellowship. They had the right focus. But thirdly, also notice with me, my friends, the faith of this church. Verse number 45 says, And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. When I think about the time that they spent together in their service for the Lord and equipping and encouraging and edifying one another. When I consider the fact that they were willing to let the Lord have free reign of their life and mold them and form and fashion them. When I think of the fact that they took their possessions and sold them and brought them to the church for those who were in in much more need than they were, I can't help but consider the fact of the faith that they displayed. Like, who's going to take care of them if they sold all their possessions and gave it away? Well, the only one that can is Jesus. They were trusting completely on the Lord. Now, I'm not promoting today. I'm not saying, okay, next week, everybody move here to the church property because you've sold your home and you bring it all. We'll put it all in the church bank account and we'll all be hermits on the property. We're not, I'm, not, I'm not pushing for that this morning, but I am pushing that we be a church of faith, that we be a people of faith. Now, as I said, those are preliminary thoughts. Number four here this morning, quickly, as we move along. Notice the fervency of this church. In verses 46 and 47, we, we see some, uh, some great zeal or great fervency that they possessed for the Lord. And we see it first off in their attendance because we see their fervency in their attendance in verse number 46 where it says, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Do you notice how often they met for the things of God? Daily. Now, our, 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 our life and our scenario and our context and everything is much different than that day. We don't hold services every single day of the week, but I think the principle of the fact that they couldn't get enough of the things of God is what we ought to latch on to. And that ought to be our hearts today as well. And that means that as we are striving to be the, the believer that the Lord wants us to be and be the church that he wants us to be, we are going to fellowship together. And can I also say this? I, 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 got, I, I said this to the first group, and so I, I can't leave you out, right? I, I, it would be so unfair of me to, to not say it to you as well. As I said, fellowshipping does not mean just gathering underneath the same roof. And in fact, right now, because of space confines and such like constraints is what I'm trying to say, we're not able to meet as an entire church together. We have to hold two services. And so one way we try to help keep that fellowship between those who come to the first service and the second is through the Bible study hour in between, through our Sunday evening service, through our midweek service and other activities we have. If all we are doing is setting aside one hour and only meeting with one group, we're not truly fellowshipping as a church like we ought to. I said they need to stick around for the later hour. I say to you, you need to come early so that you can participate and that you can fellowship. But if we're going to fellowship, if we are going to have the faith, if, if we're going to have the focus that we ought to, we find that the fervency is what needs to drive it. And the fervency in their attendance was they just could not, just could not get enough of the things of God. When you come to the church, it ought to be because we want more of what God has for us. But it doesn't have to stop there. Because tomorrow morning, while we might not be meeting for church services, He's given you His Word. And you can read it. 
and you can pray and you can desire to grow and you can have that fervency and continuing in one accord with that same mind desiring the things of God. Notice their attitude in this, uh, their fervent attitude as well in verse number 46. It says uh, in verse number 46, they did it with gladness and singleness of heart. Unfortunately, I have known of people that go to church just because that's their routine. And they do have a bad attitude while they're at church. They begrudge everything that goes on. I've even known people that serve in the church that have that attitude. And they just do it because they like the position or title, or they just do it because they feel like they have to, and they complain about everything. That was not the attitude the early church had. The first church, we read it just there, it says they did it with gladness and they did it with singleness of heart. Hey, if we're going to be sold out on this thing, if we're going to accomplish what the Lord wants us to do, let us do it with gladness. And if you're struggling in some way, if you're if some root of bitterness, as the scripture tells you, it tells us, is starting to try to take hold and is trying to form and, and you're struggling and for whatever reason that's going on, let me say, talk to somebody about that. And let me encourage you also, as you talk to somebody about that, that you talk to somebody that can do something about it. First, talk to God about it. But number two, talk to somebody that has authority over that matter. Because when we talk to somebody just for the sake of talking about it, guess what that is? That gets gossip. But if there's an issue that's going on that really needs to be addressed, then you go to the person that it needs to be addressed with and get it fixed. But to sit there and let it fester and to sit there and let it go on and on, you won't have gladness and we won't have singleness of heart. We won't be the church we ought to be. And we need to, we need to just let it get it right. And maybe, maybe your heart just needs to be right. Maybe your, your heart has gotten, gotten, gotten hard to the things of God, and you just need to say, renew a right spirit in within me, O Lord, like David would write. And notice their affection in verse number 47. They were fervent in their affection, praising God and having favor with all men, or with all the people. Can I put it simply? They loved the Lord, and they loved their church. And that's what, we, that's what the Lord desires of us today. And lastly, just briefly, as I close, number five, notice the fruit of this church. The last phrase there in verse number 47, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. My friends, the Lord knows that we are sinful people. And before we start to elevate this church at Jerusalem to something that it wasn't, let me just put, go on record, and, and if, in, case you were wondering, if, in case you were wondering, that church in Jerusalem was not a perfect church, all right? It was full of sinners, just like this church is. In fact, if Mountain Vista Baptist Church had been a perfect church, it became imperfect the day I became the pastor, because I'm not a perfect person. And let me just remind you also, the day you walked in the doors, it became imperfect also, because you're imperfect as well. But nevertheless, before we think too much of this first church of Jerusalem, they were not perfect, but they did desire to do what the Lord wanted of them. And that's all the Lord asks of us to strive to do what he has for us to do, what he's clearly laid out in his scriptures for us to accomplish as well. And because they were just faithful to doing what the Lord expected and desired of them, guess what we read in verse number 47? That he added unto them such as should be saved. They were able to see people come to Jesus because of their faithful efforts to just do what the Lord wanted, to, wanted them to do. Can I say this this morning? 
Hey, church, God has not changed. God has not changed. If all he desired for this first church, a model church, if all he desired for them was to just do and strive to do the things that he's laid out for them to do, and because they did it, he blessed them, guess what, church? All he asks of us is to strive to be and do the things that he's laid out for us to be and do. And guess what the results will be also? He'll bless. And most importantly, because we are, we're, just, ah, we're just focused on his work, the blessings will involve people coming to know him as their savior. He might not bless with bigger buildings or bigger, or bigger property or more or, uh, uh, vehicles to go pick people up, but he will bless with people coming to know him as their savior. And that's the most important thing. Amen. My friends, what a blessing. Just get on the same page as Jesus. Just to get on the same team and just say, hey, whatever you want, coach. Whatever you need, Jesus. That's what I want to do. I want to be and I want to do what you made me to be and want me to do. See, if we would just have that attitude, Lord, as I come into church, Lord, Work in me how you want to work in me so that then I can work for you the way you want me to work for you. But we come into to the church with the wrong attitude sometimes, and it hinders our operation. We come into the, the church with the attitude of, God, work in me. And then we walk out and just use it selfishly or just put it in the trunk and never use it again. At that point, church has become all about me. Sometimes we can even come and serve, but we do it for all the wrong reasons. Not for bringing honor and glory for God, but because we want a title or a, or, or a position or whatever the case might be. At that point, even though we're serving, we're still, we're not, it's all about me. But when we come to church and say, Lord, work in me the way you want to work in me so that I can work for you the way you want me to work for you, that changes everything. And that's what the Lord is calling us to do. And when he does that, he's calling us to do it together. As we've seen here this morning, it was together that they accomplished this great work. There was no one that just kind of rose to the top and was a superstar. There was nobody calling for the three-point shot at the final second so that they could win the game for, the, for their team. It was no one saying, let me go up and hit the home run to, to, send, us, uh, to, to, to send us home uh, with the walk-off home run. There was no one that said, hey, let me throw that uh, Hail Mary pass and be the one that catches it for the final touchdown as the clock expires. It was just a team working together and living life together, and fellowshipping together, and having the same focus together, and having faith that God could do something amazing with them. That's how the church should operate, my friends. And that's what the, church desi the Lord desires for this church to do as well. Can I invite you to stand to your feet with me, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? As we consider this thought of operating as the, chur as the, the, the church's operation, as the Lord would desire us to, for us to operate with our shared life together, that we're all in this for the same reason, to serve the Lord, to accomplish His work. Let me first start off with this. How many would say, Pastor, with my head bowed and eyes closed, Pastor, I know for sure that I'm saved and I know that heaven's my home. Could I just rejoice with you? Would you slip your hand up and write back down as a testimony to that end? Hands all across the auditorium. Praise God for that. I wonder, would there be anyone here this morning who'd just be honest enough to say, Pastor, I don't know that heaven's my home. I'm not 100% sure that if I died today, that I'd spend forever, for eternity in heaven. 
I wouldn't want to embarrass you or call you out or anything like that, but I'd love to pray for you. And so if you're here and you say, Pastor, I just don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that heaven's my home. Could I just pray for you? Would you slip your hand up and write back down? Pastor, please pray for me. Then one last question. Who here would say, Pastor, through the message in some way the Lord's spoken to my heart. Maybe he's spoken to my heart about the fellowship that I ought to have with my church family. Maybe the focus. Maybe I've been coming to the church with the wrong focus for the wrong reasons. Maybe my faith could be stronger. Maybe my fervency for what uh, the, the things of God could be increased. Maybe I could, have, maybe I could just ask the Lord to, to increase that fervency, that zeal for the things of Him. But if maybe the Lord's spoken to your heart in some way, you'd say, Pastor, please pray with me that the Lord would have free reign as I yield to Him to accomplish His work and His will in my life so that our church might be the church that He desires for it to be. Could I pray with you towards that end? Would you slip your hand up and write back down? Hands all across this auditorium. I pray that that's the truth. I pray that that's our heart's desire. And I pray that we would respond now during this invitation and say, God, here I am. I'm yielding to you. And you change and mold me, fashion me, make me into what you'd have me to be so that I might be the proper, I might function as the proper part in this, your body. Our Father, we come to you this morning. We love you. We thank you for your word that gives us instruction. And Lord, I, I pray now that you'd help us as we would uh, just uh, yield to you, that whatever we might be holding back on and not willing to give over to you, that we'd freely give it to you. Lord, maybe whatever might be holding us back from uh, accomplishing your work and will, that we would let it go and that we would uh, just let you have full reign in, in our lives and that we'd yield to you to be, able to, be able, uh, to be able to accomplish your work and will. Lord, I ask now that your will would be accomplished during this invitation and that you be on glorified through it. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the piano begins to play this morning, if the Lord has spoken to your heart and you'd like to come to the front here at the altar, you're welcome. Or maybe right there in your seat, you just lift up your heart to the Lord. You can say, Lord, here am I. Here's my, uh, my heart. Here's the situation. You know all that is going on in my life. You know what I haven't given to you. You know what is holding me back. You know the areas in which that I need to just fully surrender. You know where I, could, where I could allow you to do some improvement in my life, some molding, some changing in my life. But God, I want what you want. And I want our church to be able to operate in the way that you want it to operate. That the church is not mine. It's not the pastors. It's not the deacon board. It's not the, it's the teachers. It's not the, the ushers. It's, it's, it's nobody's but yours. And God, we just want to accomplish your work. We want to accomplish your will. Lord, help me now. Help me to be what you'd want me to be.
thank you for being here this morning. And fathers, happy Father's Day. We want to definitely get that gift into your hand as you're exiting the auditorium here this morning. Maybe you were a guest here, whether it be your first or maybe second time returning. We're thankful that you chose to worship with us here this morning. And I'd love to be able to chat with you a little bit out there in the lobby as well. And if you are new, hopefully you fill out one of those guest connection cards. I'd love to be able to connect with you in the future as well. But we'll be dismissed with prayer here this morning. And uh, then we will be uh, inviting everyone back for the services tonight at 6 if you're capable and able. Uh, we're excited about this tonight. Brother Tyler, our intern this uh, summer, is going to start a six-week series on Sunday evenings. And so be here to be an encouragement for him and uh, find uh, see what the Lord has laid on his heart in trying to be an encouragement to us as well and help equip us for the Lord's service. So let's pray and ask the Lord's blessings as we're dismissed. And I'm going to ask Brother Matt Bodwin, if you wouldn't mind, please, praying and asking the Lord to bless us as we're dismissed here this morning. Lord, we thank you for all that uh, you've done for us uh, in our life, Lord, and here today, Lord, and we just ask that we would take this message, Lord, and and that we'd be, be able to understand what you're telling us, Lord, and apply it to our life, and and that we'd be able to look past ourselves, Lord, and, and that we'd be able to see the the church the way you see it and act as uh, the way that, that you see us working, and, and we just pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.